The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders. And today we'll be talking about C-suite partnerships and laying the foundation for CMO success. Joining me today is Karen Budell, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Tatango. Tatango's customer success software provides unlimited scalability and unmatched time to value, helping cross-functional enterprises drive productivity, retention, and expansion. And today, Karen and I are going to be talking about why Chief Customer Officers sit next to CMOs. Okay, here's my conversation with Karen Budell, the Chief Marketing Officer at Tatango. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. I'm really happy to be here today. Well, we're glad to have you. You're new to your gig, happens to all of us. So we're really interested in peeling that back and understanding that better. But we wanted to start out talking about the relationship between chief customer officers and CMOs and why that's such a critical relationship. Sort us out with an understanding of what some of the key responsibilities and objectives are for a chief customer officer in today's modern B2B landscape. Let's just start with the fact that so many of us celebrate the moment that we land that customer. Your Slack wind wire is going off. If you're in an office, you might have that gong being rung, but that's really just the beginning. So if you think about the chief customer officer, their remit and responsibility, it's about what happens and how you keep that customer happy and seeing repeated success and business outcomes over the lifetime that they have with your company. So there's a lot of functions that sit with under the remit of a chief customer officer, similar to how the CMO has a lot of specialties and functions underneath marketing. But if you think about it, once that customer comes on board, how are you implementing onboarding with that customer? How do you provide customer success managers service and support throughout that life cycle and all geared at driving customer outcomes? And then I would say in terms of what they're really focused on driving for the business, they're looking at driving retention, preventing and minimizing churn. Sometimes they might have a commercial responsibility in terms of renewals or driving expansion of revenue through cross-sell and upsell. 
but really it's about getting those customers towards business outcomes and repeated success. So I've seen a fair amount of change out in the B2B marketing world. I'm going to ask you to comment on a few of these things. One change I've seen, and it's happened pretty quickly, is CMOs are no longer being asked to stop paying attention once a deal is closed. That's a trend we've seen quite a bit. The other one, which you and I discussed briefly just a few moments ago, was actually codifying this into what I'll call the flywheel, which effectively says that over time, you want to reduce friction for prospects and customers, certainly, but more and more momentum is gained when a customer is happy, when a customer is leaning in, if you will, for whatever reason. And then ultimately, this creates a positive impact over time, the flywheel. The idea here being there's more and more momentum over time as you do more and more good stuff. But there's really not, here's the third thing I'd point to. Outside of that methodology, there's just not a playbook for how those two organizations, customer support, customer advocacy, and marketing partner to activate that flywheel. What's been your experience here? And what recommendations do you have for folks when it comes to thinking about things from a flywheel standpoint from the CMO's chair? Well, first of all, I would say that a chief marketing officer and a chief customer officer are really hardwired at knowing their audience, knowing their customer really well. So that automatically gives them an opportunity to form a partnership about knowing the customer, what makes them tick. If you think about the marketer's responsibility, we focus so much on acquisition, but it costs five times as much to acquire a new customer. And when you think about the opportunity for partnership between marketing and CS or that post-sale organization, the chief customer officer, it's how you can retain that customer and have a increase the lifetime value of them. So it starts with acquisition on the marketing side. As you mentioned, marketers are increasingly targeted at driving pipeline and impact on revenue, but it doesn't end there. You want that customer to stay with you a long time and to potentially be a repeat buyer or serve as an advocate to bring more prospects into the top of your funnel. What I feel like we're talking about here is some of the basics of how marketers think about really strong relationships, the flywheel, if you will. Specifically, you mentioned before, more happy customers equals more happy prospects, meaning there's this referral cycle. But I feel like there's a lot more to it than that. And Karen, what I'd love to know is a bit more about sort of your experience implementing Flywheel and how that tends to create a lot more momentum. Again, back to this idea that the more happy customers I'm adding and the more they're being able to advocate, the more likely I am to get prospects who are going to go through the funnel more efficiently. What sort of experiences have you had here? And give me the good stuff first, because then I want to dig into the bad stuff. Well, marketing and sales, we know how important that relationship is. And we spend a lot of our time in a shared tech stack. It's all about that acquisition. Here's where the real magic comes into play. If you have a customer success software that integrates with your CRM, where your marketing and sales team is inherently looking at who you're bringing into the funnel, who you're closing, which prospects, which cohorts are converting better at different stages, you integrate that customer success software. And now you've got a full picture of your customer portfolio and their health after they become your customer. So this is where partnership between marketing and CS or chief customer officers can really take your flywheel to the next level. Because I can look at which customer cohorts are most healthy. I can look at the profile of our best customers, who's staying the longest, who's buying additional products or increasing their seats and usage. And that's a whole level of data and visibility that marketers weren't maybe focused on initially because we're all about the pipeline and making sure that we help sales close those deals. So I like to think about the opportunity of marketing and customer success or that chief customer officer partnering closely 
to really implement and activate the flywheel for those second order businesses, for advocates to refer new customers into your funnel as a really, really strong partnership. And then you add sales into the mix. And now we've got, if everyone's healthy and working together and collaborating, a really strong three-legged stool and one revenue team to drive sustainable growth for your business. So that's the tooling. And I think tooling is incredibly important. There's an entire podcast called the MarTech Podcast organized around that idea of which tools you're deploying. But I do feel like as marketers, especially in sort of this explosion in the MarTech landscape, we will, if you will, rush to adding applications before we have the methodology down. So what I'm really curious about is what have you run into in terms of organizations' ability to think about in or deploy the flywheel, the underlying methodology? Tell me about some maybe positive experiences there. And I'd love to hear more about maybe sometimes when things go sideways, because really that's where we learn. Sure. If we think about that flywheel from a people and process perspective, what I think works really well is when you have your teams focused on what is my customer's business outcome? What is their goal and what are they trying to achieve? That should be the North Star that brings your marketing, your customer success, your post-sale team, and even your sales team together. You want that to happen on that very first conversation. You want that to be repeated when they become a customer through the onboarding and implementation phase. And so I think if you can orient all teams around that level of customer centricity, it gives you a shared language and a common way to approach the collaboration and handoff that inherently happens across all those functions throughout the customer journey. So that's putting the customer at the center of the flywheel, if you will, right? That's the design. And what it's effectively saying is that we have shared metrics between the three orgs. We know there are multiple different organizations that touch the flywheel. But what we're saying is we're going to put the customer in the middle and we're going to be using common metrics of success that we're going to be able to measure over time to determine whether or not the flywheel has the momentum it needs. Correct. What I also would add to that is that you're not only measuring the metrics that matter to your teams and throughout those handoffs, but what does your customer want to get out of using your product or service? What is their business outcome? And there's some great research from ChurnRx and Greg Danes that shows that customers that achieve measurable results stay six times longer than those that don't track measurable results. It amounts to you should be measuring something repeatedly with your customer. You want to check in. Have you, through your products and services and the way that your team is supporting them, helping them move the needle on their business goals? So it's a yes and. The way that I like to think about it, each team is measuring how well they're working together, what those handoffs or collaborations look like, the business metrics on your side. But to really take that customer centricity to the next level, it's making sure everyone's clear about what matters to your customer. And if you have that shared business plan or a customer success plan, customer success outcome plan, Plan that is the North Star bringing those teams together. I think that's a real unlock for a lot of organizations. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. 
But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. I feel like what happens quite often is that we fall into the trap of measuring what ultimately would be considered vanity metrics for the customer, not for us. Good example is NPS scores, really valuable metric for organizations. Obviously, the higher the NPS score, the better, an indicator of the health between the product, the services, and the organizations that support it. But really what you're saying at the end of the day is that the measure that matters for the customers isn't necessarily our internal measures. It's the success of the product. It's the product's ability to drive the things they bought it for. It's really the core of the metrics you're talking about. And this is the, the piece that I think can be really difficult for the flywheel is really making those measurements add up, if you will. So I'd be curious, what are some examples of measures that are necessarily vanity metrics for marketers and sellers, but in fact are useful for customers? That's what it comes down to at the end of the day, right? You want to demonstrate the value of your product and service to help your customers achieve their business outcomes. So NPS can yield some interesting insights for the organization, maybe some great feedback that you want to feed into your product and engineering org that you might bring back into the marketing and sales or go-to-market process. But at the end of the day, you want to know, were you able to help them keep their own customers, retain them, renew them, and grow them? And so one of the things that we have seen is we've worked with customers like Aruba, part of Hewlett Packard Enterprise, that were able to increase their NPS by 30 points. But the bigger benefit they saw was being able to support almost 95% of their customer base through a digital and scaled motion to make sure that they were able to achieve their outcomes at the point in time that they were looking for support through their services. So it comes down to retention rates. Those are great measures of success for customers. We work with Monster, who a lot of folks know from job seeking. They were able to increase their retention rates by 20%. You also see companies reporting on NRR and whether or not you're able to grow that and reduce churn in your customer base. That's what many of us are trying to do. If you look at the last 12 or 18 months and what the economy has shown us is important. We've over-rotated on acquisition for so many years. We have to focus on our customer base, helping them achieve their goals, retaining them, renewing them, and then ultimately expanding them. But that's the new way to grow in the world that we're living in today. So if a customer invests in your products or services, you have to be able to show them the value. And that's tying it back to why they bought you in the first place. How are they hoping to move the needle at their own company? I love the flywheel model, and I love what we're talking about, because ultimately we're talking about greater efficiencies for sales and marketing and for the customer support organization. I think it makes a ton of sense. One thing that concerns me, and I would love your thoughts here, is we hyper-focus on customers and we build products and services that sort of exclude things that are happening in the marketplace. Things change so quickly. Things iterate so quickly. Any concerns from your standpoint that when we become too customer-focused, potentially mischanges the market that makes us less competitive? 
It's certainly an interesting question and a challenge we should all be mindful of. I guess I've never really thought about that. Can you be too customer-centric that it prevents you from innovating for the needs in the market or potentially expanding into adjacent spaces? But I would say this, Doug. We have been so focused on acquisition for so long, especially in a growth-at-all-costs economy, that we forgot about our customers. And here we are where this is the only way for many businesses to survive and grow. So I think there's an important lesson to learn from that, right? We need the customers to stay with us, and especially in a recurring revenue model, and look for opportunities to grow them. But who are our next best customers? The folks in our customer base should be the signals to tell us who we should be developing for, who we should be innovating for. Certainly keep an eye out there on the market. But it's like the pendulum swing in marketing that I like to think about. For one period of time, we were all focused on brand building and top of funnel. And then the pendulum swung the other way and everyone had to be a demand gen marketer and focused on performance marketing. So it's a little bit of finding that balance. Acquisition is always going to be important, but we focused too much on it for too long. And expansion and growing from your customer base is hard. It's not as simple as saying we're customer centric. There's a lot of cross-functional collaboration, people and processes that have to work that motion and that flywheel for it to benefit your business. So I think that this will teach us an important lesson and customer centricity now is more than a phrase, it's action within your enterprise. I feel very strongly that this movement towards more customer centricity is long overdue. I think there are many SaaS businesses that frankly struggled because they weren't focused enough. So I think that'll end up with higher quality products, better services, all the good stuff, if you will. Here's the Henry Ford quote that keeps bumping around in my mind. I'm going to munch it a bit, but you know, if I listen to my customers, I would have built a better buggy. So what I'm hearing from you ultimately is it's not like your customer base and the prospect base have a huge amount of divergence. They're the same. And you have a much more intimate relationship with your customers than you do, obviously, with prospects. So lean into that data set, lean into that knowledge, which is what we're talking about. So you're brand new to your gig. We're going to talk about that in another episode coming up. Congratulations. First couple months are always fun. I'm curious about your relationship with your chief customer officer. And obviously, to Tango, you guys have to drink your own punch, if you will. Tell me about that relationship and tell me about some of these metrics you're referring to, how that sort of drives those conversations. So the relationship that I have with our chief customer officer and my role as the chief marketing officer, or as some say, the chief market officer, is a really great way to bring those insights from our customer base and know what our products and services are that are resonating with them. We can marry that with my role looking at the market understanding where there's opportunities for us to provide more value to a different persona. Look at the data in our marketing and sales process and uncover insights where maybe we are having better luck in a different channel with a different program set. Maybe a new persona is entering the buying committee and I need to make sure I've got the right motion to bring them in and support them. So I think if you look at the way that the CMO and CCO can partner together, You're not only looking at the deep insights from your customers and what they want you to build, but you have a good eye on the market and your potential customers to be. So hopefully, to speak to the quote that you're talking about, you can really pull the best insights forward and then innovate on top of those. Tell them what they might need moving forward. See the way the market's shifting and lead the way for them. And something that always feels absent for me in the flywheel, and this is something that's striking me as we're talking more and more, is the product organization. And I'm not talking PLG. I am not talking about PLG. PLG, obviously, there is heavy integration. Otherwise, the model doesn't work. But in your experience, you're finding this also benefits the products organization, meaning they've got a tighter relationship with the customer base and therefore more likely to get an idea of what to develop next and moving forward. 
100%. And I would say one thing I would strongly advocate for many organizations, if they don't already have it in place, is build a customer advisory board. And if you want to take that one layer deeper, consider a product advisory council. One thing that I've been fortunate to leave and lead, it's one thing I've been fortunate to lead in my tenure at Tatango, bringing together senior leaders at a variety of our customers to find out what are their business goals each year? Where are they having to shift or reallocate resources? Where are they running into challenges? And that's not just related to our product and service. We're having deep business conversations to figure out where to move the needle. And then we talk about how technology can help them. Our product and engineering leaders are, if not in the room, receiving the insights that we have from those conversations with the cab. And oftentimes we'll bring them in as guest speakers to share some, an early look at what's on our roadmap to get some feedback. That's another flywheel to get that customer feedback into your innovation cycle with your engineering product and design team. That is so critical. I highly recommend that marketers it's a tough job. You've got to build that relationship with your sales counterpart. You got to bring in the head of CS or that post-sale organization. And let me tell you, do not forget your friends and product. That is a relationship we don't often talk enough about, but the CMO and the CPO also have to be working hand in hand. Marketing is the headlights on the business, right? You're shining a light on where we're going. You're talking about the roadmap and where we're innovating, and you need to be able to have your product and engineering team with you so that you're not too far out over your skis. That's really good advice. And there's a certain amount of data centricity that we all have to count out to. It's really important. Let's not short shift it. But quite often, you're sort of lost in the data. You don't know what to do with the data. And if you've got an advisory board, if you've got a product council, you're really taking this objective data set and then you're taking this objective. The other thing I think that allows you to do is to make sure that you're not over committing based on what the customer data is telling you. In other words, you're getting live guidance from both. And I agree with you on that warning, if you will, which is it is a lot of work. And the thing that you've got to really be careful about is making sure that when those folks are giving you feedback, it's making its way into the product and services. Otherwise, they're going to see this as being facile. In other words, the whole exercise is facile. So tell me a bit more about your relationship with your chief customer officer and some of the things you've done to ground that relationship to make sure that that flywheel works well for you at Tatango. Well, I think there's a couple of ways that you can create a nice bridge between the CMO and the chief customer officer. And let's start with customer marketing. It's got the words right in there. It brings those two orgs together. But there are different ways that you can structure customer marketing. A lot of orgs will focus on advocacy. They'll focus on customer storytelling, case studies. There's also a really important point we've talked about today, which is how can you grow from your customer base? So that's data-driven. That's looking for opportunities to provide more value through a combination of products and services and engagements. So I love to think of customer marketing as being a natural bridge to bring those two organizations together. And then product marketing is another great partner too. We have a lot of communication across our orgs through those functions. And I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize the importance of community. That in and of itself can be a great way for marketing and your CS or chief customer officer orgs to partner because you're both looking to engage your customer base and your users, but also expose folks that are considering you to the values and opportunities that you can provide to them. So those are just a few areas out of the gates where our teams are working very closely together, customer training, enablement, community building, customer marketing, and of course, the customer advisory board. I oversee that myself, but it is hand in hand in partnership with our head of customer success. Okay, so we're going to bring you back tomorrow. We're going to talk about your first 60 days. So I don't want to dig too much into that. But 
what I would recap here is to say, if you're coming in as a CMO and you're saying, look, we need to be more customer centric beyond tooling. There's lots of great applications like Tatango out there that'll help you. If you believe you really need to dig in further and find a way into more customer centricity, it sounds like the starting point is, do I have a customer marketing organization? What's my community marketing play? And how can I use that as a bridge to getting to an understanding of ultimately what data I need? I think flare wheels are amazing. I've implemented one or two in my lifetime. They're incredibly hard to put in place. So it feels like if you can just give people these simple stepping stones, and I love this idea of customer marketing being that bridge into a bigger and bigger organizational structure that's organized around Flywheel. All right, that wraps up this MarTech Insider episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Karen Budell from Tatango for joining us today. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Karen and I are going to dig in and talk about the first 60 days for CMO. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Karen, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact her on Twitter, where her handle is at Karen Budell, or visit her company website at tatango.com. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Market Advocate. Or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap. E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.